You have before you this morning a wounded soldier. I'm afraid that this past week I didn't expect this, what happened, and that is an operation on my eye was more serious than first thought. And so I ask for your prayers this coming week as they're debating whether I can keep my eye or not. So it's a very challenging time for me. I appreciate the prayers of everyone. Some of you who called just before I went into my operation, which is very nice of you to do so, and the prayers of the choir this morning, and I know the prayers of all of you in the liturgy this morning will be deeply appreciated and received with love and affection. I want to pick up where I left off uh, last week. We were on the beach there uh, in North Carolina, on the outer beach. If you recall, most of you were here. The family rented a three-story house, and we had uh, 20 or more of us. I couldn't count them. They were moving so fast in the house there at the beach. And we had a wonderful time cooking every night a meal of different theme, Mexican one night, American the next, and so forth through the week. And one of the things we did, in addition to all of that, was to build sandcastles. Family is known for competition, so it was sandcastle competition time, divided into three groups, and they then went about their task of building the theme that they picked. I'll share with with you very briefly, but my middle daughter, my second daughter, she chose to send me a book this week. She's that kind of a person called My Beautiful Sandcastle Moment. And uh, so Pam and I will be reading that this week together. But I thought two of the pages here were appropriate, at least for me. Lord, you give me so many opportunities for sandcastle moments every day. Yet the busyness of my life finds me exhausted and spent at the end of my days, oftentimes without having taken the time to enjoy or appreciate even one special moment from my day, a day I will never be able to take back. Lord, help me slow down, even for five minutes a day, so that I might still my mind and calm my soul and appreciate the gifts and the magnificent beauty around me before the tide comes in and washes them away. Nice reflection about sandcastles in the sand. They are there, but only temporarily. And these are the temporary sandcastles built by my family. Pam and I were to be the judges as to which of those three sandcastles would be the winner, the best of all. I'll begin with the one that drew the most attraction. It was a um, sandcastle that uh, was really a, uh, well, a castle in which you had to enter and then you wandered around and tried to find your way out. And so there was a lot of enthusiasm and it ran rather large. It was a maze, really, and the maze had to be followed to get out. You didn't know what they were doing for a long time, building all sorts of smaller hills all around the beach, and uh, finally got done and then named it the maze. 
It probably was the most popular because we had half the kids on the beach come down and want to walk through the maze. So at supper time that night, they received first prize for the most interesting and popular of all of the sandcastles. Then there was a second sandcastle. And uh, by the way, as you probably noted, they all win. No one loses in this sandcastle competition. The second one was, uh, well, kind of a, a resort, really. And of all things, the Loch Ness Monster is attacking the resort. And so here there were pools and old places for umbrellas and things like that, while people were sunning themselves. And little did they know, but approaching this resort was the Loch Ness Monster built out of sand quite creative and very exciting. So it got the first prize for the most exciting of all of the sandcastles. And then there was a third one. The third sandcastle I found most intriguing. It was Mount Fujiyama, or was it St. Helens, or was it some other earthquake or uh, wonderful uh, mountain that erupted? And what they did was they kept building, and I couldn't quite figure out what they were up to, except they were putting together a pile of sand. And it got bigger. It frankly was the biggest pile of sand I had ever seen on a beach. Huge thing. The fellows had to build steps into the side of the mountain in order to reach the top. And then at the top, when it was almost done, they had five minutes to go, they poured on well, all sorts of, like, baking soda. Get the picture? This is the eruption. And then a fire came out of the top. It was a wonderful volcano. And that got the prize for the most, well, exciting of all. So all three won. And what was the prize? Well, they've got a free dinner at our home on Labor Day. <laughs> so if any of you have built the sandcastle since that time or between now and then we'll come Pam and I and we'll evaluate it and if you are a prize winner you can come over to our house for Labor Day but it was an exciting venture building these sandcastles only to see them of course eventually washed away in the coming days meanwhile back at the house as you well know Five theologians were at work. Now, not all of you have been here on Sunday morning, so I should explain that. We have five clergy types in the family. Two young grandsons, cousins, or not cousins, grandsons, who are uh, brothers, twin brothers, studying for the ministry. And then I have a son-in-law, their father, who is a minister, and then my son is a minister, and of course I try to pass as one as well. So there were five of us. So the patriarch of the family, me, I don't think of myself that way, but they called me the patriarch. And so I said, what we want to do is we want to write, write lessons for the next two Sundays. Well, they did it for last Sunday. I read some of them. It was the basis of my sermon for last week. I also asked them to write them for this week on the Canaanite woman and the lesson 
and they came up with lessons. I don't have five of them. We'd be here for the rest of the morning if I did that. But I did come up and, in fact, took from them three lessons that came from this Canaanite lesson. They wrote them out, and I just built on it, trying to remember this morning, as best I can, what they had to say. Like so many lessons in the scriptures, there is more there than just one teaching. There are a number of teachings. And it's exciting to see people look at the scriptures and have them speak to them, to their hearts, to their minds, and for them then in turn to share it, which they did. Then Pam and I, she did the typing, sent out emails to all of them. So they had these resources. I suspect they may be using these materials this morning from the pulpits wherever they are. All of them were scheduled to preach this Sunday. Let's take just one of them. The most obvious lesson is this tenaciousness of the Canaanite woman. She has a very sick daughter. She has a daughter who needs help. And she's been like this for a long time, tormented by a demon of all things. Yes, in the New Testament we have demons. We have them in our time as well. Some of you can tell me of them. But at any rate, she sensed that a demon had taken over her daughter, and she was obviously having a tumultuous time trying to help her daughter and see her daughter in such contortions as she struggled with an evil spirit. So she was going to see that her daughter got the help she needed. So Canaanite woman or not, part of the tribe of Israel or not, she was coming for help to where she knew it was located in this prophet, in this teacher, in this Jesus of Nazareth. So she came to him and sought out help. And then we're all surprised. All of us are surprised when we read the scriptures when Jesus puts her off. I've come for the lost house of Israel. I've not come for Canaanite people. Others, other races or tribes. No, I've come just for the Jews, for the Israelites. But she's not going to take no for an answer. She hangs in there. Ever had a dog who grabs a hold of some piece of your garment and holds on and you can actually swing them around and they're holding on by their teeth. They're not going to let go. That's the kind of woman she was. I've bumped up with people like that sometimes, who are so tenacious, they are not going to let their pastor get away with anything. And if I have a blessing or a prayer for them, they're going to get it from me, because they're going to demand it of them. That's the kind of woman this was. So one of my theologians came up with this. This woman demonstrated strong and mighty, tenacious faith and suggests that wouldn't it be great if all of the members of the church would be that way as well. That all of you sitting here would want to hear that word of promise and deliverance, that promise of Jesus' healing, and be so tenacious you wouldn't let anything get in the way of that. You'd be here to hear the word 
and to receive the benefits and the blessings. So that certainly is one of the great lessons. The other great lesson here would be that with this story, the whole ministry of Jesus broadens. He is not only for the Jews, the Israelites, but for the Canaanites and all the other mites that are around. All the tribes and all the religions and all of the nations around. This broadens his ministry. It isn't as though Jesus didn't know that that was what he was going to do. But he hadn't revealed that yet. And she brought it out of him. And we should know that as well. That our responsibility as Christians is not just to the people sitting here in these pews. Or those who call themselves Christians down the street and all the other denominations. But beyond that, beyond that to peoples everywhere who have not heard or who have not responded to the ministry and the teaching of Jesus, his forgiveness, his promise of resurrection and new life. It is our responsibility to go beyond our little world into the broader world and bring the perfect, beautiful gospel of Jesus' death on the cross, his forgiveness of sins, and certainly his powerful resurrection. So those are two mighty lessons to be taught here. The other lesson is a little more subtle, but it is that Jesus somehow or other responds to these things. We sometimes don't think so. I know in my own prayers, I pray for something and then let it alone. Or we at church here pray for something and we let it alone. That's not to be the case. There's nothing wrong about every Sunday after Sunday, every day after every day, praying often for the same thing or for the same person. What's happening is that person may change, the circumstances may change, or primarily you change in the process. A change takes place in you while you begin in a kind of selfish way. This is what I need, what I want, what I want for this person. And now all of a sudden you begin to discover it isn't answered exactly as fast as you thought it should be, or in the way you thought it ought to be answered. But ultimately God gets through and does answer the prayer, just like with this woman. You don't think there's any chance of this, these people getting through, this woman getting through, but she does. And the beautiful thing, the story ends the way you want it to end. They don't always end this way, but this ends this way. For this woman, this child, is healed. For great is your faith, says Jesus. Let it be done for you as you wish. And then I love the next statement. Her daughter was healed, not the next day, not the next month, but instantly. You're dealing with... Jesus, the Son of God, He has power, He has might, He's the one involved in the whole creation of the world. He was there when it happened. He was there when He entered the world 
by the incarnation and the promises he brought with that. He was there on the cross dying for us and all our sins. He was there putting demons to death. And he would rise to new life and promise. What's nice about these lessons is they're not like sand castles. A day or two later, after we had built these monstrosities on the beach, and hundreds of people had walked by and seen them, admired them, commented on them and got back to us, well, in a couple of days, the water washed up and took the sand out, and it was, mind you, as flat a beach as it had been before. That's the difference. These lessons and the promises of Christ don't flatten out, don't wash away. They stay, they're there forever, and they're ours by faith. Take them by faith. Make them your own. Whatever your difficulty is, whatever the struggle you're having, may the promises of Jesus be yours now and forever. We pray it in his name. Amen and Amen. Let's hear a strong Amen. Amen and Amen. Hey, that's the way to do it.